0: You had a question, Merlin? Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be quiet. I know people. No, 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 no. Ask a question. You know, this is a dream for me. This is my, this is my, this is my Scarlet Witch moment. I'm so happy to be here. I'm, I'm trying not to be a dork. Um, no, no more Merlins. Merlins. You guys, I'm literally so angry right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Incomparable, number one hundred forty, May twenty thirteen.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and tonight we're doing something uh, very special. We're, we're doing a special edition of our comic book club, as if they aren't all special. They all <laughs> are. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a classic, at least in terms of having happened several years ago, uh, Marvel Comics uh, event called House of M, which was a, an eight-issue miniseries from 2005 written by Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, who I love from Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, you may remember this for how it ends. Uh, you may remember for the aftermath. You re- may remember it for its continuity busting. You may remember it because it's the it's uh it's the cruelest thing in a universe of cruel things done to Spider-Man. Perhaps the cruelest thing ever done to Spider-Man. Anyway, to jo- joining me to talk about uh, House of M and various other Marvel uh, events that came uh, out of this, or went into it or went around it in terms of continuity, I have an all-star superhero panel. Uh, First up, a regular Incomparable guest, Lisa Schmeiser. Hi, Lisa.
1: Pleasure to be here.
2: Thanks for being here. Um, Andy Anatko, a frequent visitor to the Incomparable, is also here. Hi, Andy. Hello, Jason. Good to have you here. We have uh, a visitor we've had on once before, Moises Chuyan. Moises, welcome back.
3: I'm glad to be here.
2: It's good to have you. And uh, for making his making his debut appearance on The Incomparable, you his know first him. first and last. <laughs> you love him. You can't live without him. It's Merlin Mann. Hi, Jason. It's good to have you here. Thank you. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm be very quiet. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, that's the Scott McNulty slot. That'll work. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be Lex.
1: <laughs> I was hoping you'd be Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, House of M. I so here's my admission: I stopped reading comics in the 80s and didn't start reading them really, um, reading current comics anyway until two or three years ago. So I completely missed this when it came out, Um, and only uh, I think maybe a year ago I read some of them, um, and and on via illicit means, I have to admit, but I just reread them all using Marvel's excellent Marvel Unlimited service and app. And uh, uh, House of M is really interesting because it's this standalone miniseries, and yet it's got all these tie-in series. Some of them are special standalone series. Uh, Others, it sort of overrides uh, regular issues of some comics, it seems like. And it's this weird case where it's not an event that, really happens it sort of happens in the marvel universe but it's a it's kind of like a sneaky what if uh what if story which is what if the mutants were in charge essentially is that is that accurate am i missing some horrible piece of continuity here as far as i can tell it's a it's it's happening in the real marvel universe but it really is just it's it's transformed magically into an alternate universe for a while and then transformed back right
3: well, it's the most important "what if" uh, crossover ever because the effects of it actually end up having an effect on the actual Marvel universe. But I, I think you're dead right that it's it's a "what if" story more than anything else.
4: Yes. Mm, no, it's it's the it's the classic gambit of like when you're playing chess and you make your move, but you keep your finger on the piece and you say, "I, I haven't gone yet. <laughs> Hang on, I, I could take that move back. I haven't gone yet." Uh, yes, it did. It's it, it was kind of famous because uh, Joe Quesada. Uh, revealed like when he took over as creative editor-in-chief of Marvel said that there are, bu- uh, two, I think he said he mentioned there are three specific genies he wants to put back in the bottle without mentioning what those three genies were one of those was uh, Spider-Man's marriage, he wanted that to not happen anymore, another one was uh, yeah exactly, that's, 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 another, that's another podcast <laughs> but, the, but, the other, but another one was actually very very positive, the problem of uh, in some of the X-books there are apparently millions and millions and millions and millions of of mutants mutants. and he wanted to roll that back
1: i can speak to this in exhausting detail and it had gotten to the point where my mutant superpower is is telekinesis except it's like a game of tag and you you really that's the best you can come up with
3: (laughs) i've got teleportation but i can only go through doors
1: Now imagine an entire book built around a character like that because that's what they were basically doing by that point. Was um, ooh, here's a character who's who's who looks like a chicken and has no other superpowers. And here's yes, yes, (laughs) Barnell Bohusk. Yes, (laughs) yes, I am.
2: (laughs) I read the Exiles. I read all the Exiles. Well, you see, you needed that many many mutants because you had to populate the teams, right? Because there's let's let's run it down. In the
1: early two thousands, they had like the Extreme X Men at some point. So we
2: have the Extreme X Men. We got the X Men, the Uncanny X Men. We got the X Factor. You got the X Isles, astonishing X Men.
1: Don't forget, you had the you had the team that was on Mutant X, who went around and did things in Mutie Town. Mutant X, X ex- yeah.
2: X ex- Explanatories, uh, the Excitings, X Core.
1: There was the Excalibur, Exstatics, X ex- Factor,
2: Expeditionary. <laughs> was that actually a team? No, no, I'm making things up oh, now. Okay. But I'm just saying there were lots of X Men. <laughs> suffice it to say,
1: and Wolverine was on every single one of those teams,
2: except for the except for the ex girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> and the x Um When I stopped reading uh, Marvel comics, it was right when the the X-Men were clearly the most popular comic. I think every month, and that it was just as Marvel was realizing that they they could do something with this and when i came back i i, I was kind of taken aback and when i realized that they, they finally had franchised the x-men and boy did they cuz when i left it was like the new mutants was it
1: the x-men and like tooth from like 2003 to 2004 the x-men were kind of like Aaron spelling on tv in the early 90s where they're just <laughs> the, he just kept, they just kept crapping out spin-off after spin-off after spin-off and and there'd be one thing in there that was compelling and the rest of it you were just how is this allowed to exist and I and mean, at some point storm is doing extreme fighting in a ring with somebody and it and and and, and, sometimes she
3: has a mohawk and sometimes she doesn't and rogue
1: gets this crazy full sleeve tattoo because she runs into some mutant whose superpower is 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 drawing tattoos onto people's skin i do not this was actually like ooh, that's her power she can make tattoos without using a (laughs) needle and you know at this point when the big bad thing that happens at the end of this happens and i was like finally man they have shaken out this universe and gotten rid of the deadwood And, like, eight million Guthries perished, which is all for the best because that damn Guthrie family is the bane of my X-Men reading existence.
0: (laughs) Would would it be useful to give people
2: a rough idea of the story? So so what happens is as these people gradually learn, these heroes gradually are taken. Wolverine basically says, I'm going to go find people. And even though they are living their dream, I'm going to wake them up to the harsh unreality of events here. And so he goes and they one by one, they kind of – assemble all the superheroes and remind them that they aren't Ping. living, you know, just because you're in this wonderful mutant-forward society here, it actually, you know, there's actually the real world where mutants are downtrodden. And let's let's uh, touch Spider-Man so that he, who, you know, who Gwen Stacy's alive, his Uncle Ben is alive, he's, he's got, got a kid, a yes. they're very happy. Let's wreck that,
3: okay. Uh, well, and he's got this kind of creepy, adulterous thing that's sort of... Like on the verge of happening with Mary Jane, right?
2: Well, because she stars in the movie of his life as his wife, also Hollywood al- slut, also creepy. Um, so <laughs> so the the and and really the story seems to be they're waking everybody up to the reality that that um except for Captain America because he was never frozen and is just an a, a, an old guy.
1: Oh, that was such a sad issue.
2: That was kind of nice, mm. but I I kept asking myself, um. I was surprised to not have more of them be like, you know, this world is kinda nicer than for us than <laughs> that other world. I guess that was them being heroic and all. It just seemed very strange to me that it's like this world in many ways seems better to, than the one that we left. We gotta stop gotta put a stop to that.
0: <laughs> that scene with the scene with Spider Woman was was pretty great. Yeah. And then
1: and then Wolverine gets all high minded, well someday you'll be embarrassed you said that. I'm like, why should she be embarrassed? She's asking a perfectly rational question, yeah. which is Our lives are pretty awesome. I'm doing okay. Why are we
2: doing this? (laughs) So, so is it is it fair to say that there are two reasons why House of M is notable? There's there's the it is a, it is in and of itself a story about this this sort of what if world that is ruled by mutants, and it's relevant in terms of Marvel continuity because at the end of it, when this when the original Marvel universe is reset, some people who are at the center of this, uh, you know, this blast wave at the end of of the story, uh, remember everything that happened in this parallel history that was created. Uh but but secondarily, it's the end result of the story, which is in in the and and if you don't know, you should li- read him read the issues before you listen to this podcast anymore. Stop! What are you doing? Is You're- this whole podcast a, a spoiler? It, it is a, a giant spoiler. So, at the end of issue seven, uh, the Scarlet Witch, who has created this parallel universe, she says, "No more mutants." She's like, mm-hmm. so she's so infuriated by. Um By mutants, <laughs> I guess, and by her own kind, that she declares that there will be no more mutants and then and then issue eight is the aftermath where the world has kind of gone back to where it was, except that some people remember what uh what had happened and 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 for some people that that 's uh, uh quite tragic because The idea here is that everybody has been given essentially their heart's desire, all of these, all of the (laughs) powered people.
1: The idea, I guess that Pietro and Wanda teamed up and said, well, if we just give everybody exactly what they want, then they'll leave us alone and nobody will get the crazy idea to kill the woman who can warp warp reality at will. And what, here's where it breaks down is when you look at the spinoffs, they're horrible dystopias. So and, yeah. and and a lot of major characters die in these spinoffs. Yeah, that, so that, so are that
4: was my big deal. It's That's so so, your so heart, true. your heart, yeah. Tigra's heart desire was to be shot. Good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I get that Doctor Doom's deepest heart desire is to have Reed Richards wiped off the face of the planet, yeah. but he he ends up licking Magneto's boot. How is that keeping him? Yeah,
2: happy? losing his losing his entire family. Well, no, it, yes, it's the it's yes. the o, it's the O Henry ending, right? It's it's yeah. the it's the
0: but I but I shaved off all my hair to give <laughs> I think I think one of the reasons uh, that I I think it's successful, and I should always stipulate that I'm I'm pretty new to this stuff, so I haven't read a whole lot of stuff you know, little bits of stuff from across the Marvel Universe. But one reason I think this succeeds where others seem very frustrating is, yeah, there are a whole lot of tie-ins. Well, you know, not nearly as many tie-ins as with some of, some of these other things we're talking about. It really, I think, it, personally, it helps to me that it works as this one TPB of eight issues that really stands alone in itself. Yeah. The Spider-Man 1 tie-in is outstanding, but it's completely its own pocket universe in another pocket it, it, universe. You it know? is, right? there. It's not even it doesn't even line up to the but, main... but also it's it's <laughs> like, for some reason it kept reminding me of planet of the apes in some ways when you talk about like a what if or it's something that's happening not so much exactly in the future but you know it is speculative in that way but also i like the fact that everybody was in it kind of mostly together at kind of mostly the same time and that uh, I guess to your point about what happens at the end. Boy, you guys can hit a spoiler fast. <laughs> you guys hit two major spoilers so fast. You you left the, you you hit the biggest plot twist in the whole thing already. It was but eight the, years ago. <laughs>
3: eight so I got, years. I got yelled
0: at. I got yelled at on Twitter the other day for mentioning what happened to Gwen Stacy in 1973. Right. She dies. By the way. Oh she, man. Oh. She got a
2: new hair
3: bow <laughs> a, or something.
0: It's okay. <laughs> she gets cloned.
1: But but you know the, <laughs> why is she, why why is she never persistently brought back? Is, is what I want to. know.
0: Gene Gray syndrome.
1: Gene <laughs> Gray comes back more often than than Gwen Stacy. It's ridiculous. We,
3: we we titled an episode of Giant Size Beast Goes Which Time after the the bit in All New X Men where Gene Gray asks him, uh, "Tell me what it was like when I died." And he went, "Well, which time? Which time?" There <laughs> should be. Oh, I think
0: there should be single serving sites, or you know, maybe even like a comic. Is Phoenix alive right now? In this issue, is Jean Grey alive? Can Professor X walk? And is Nick Fury black? Just just so we kind of can get a rough footing <laughs> yeah. on where we are. You've got That's to good.
3: triangulate different facts of the Marvel
0: universe to get an idea of, of what's right. going on.
1: Which telepath is Scott Summers dating this week?
0: Is Spider Man married?
1: And to whom?
0: But it's I, 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 unlike other ones where you go, you know. Yes, this this like a lot of annoying. Uh, crossovers goes oh poof haha <laughs> psych but it did oh, so to speak but it does open up a lot of interesting stories especially with the you know the M Day thing but you know what I mean it's it it has I think it's so wonderful as a bridge between two things eh, maybe controversial that I like a lot I I really loved Avengers disassembled and I like Civil War schism and in, in AVX and I, I thought I think this is the a, a fantastic bridge to those because it it takes all these characters that can sometimes seem a little bit, you know, been there, done that, and opens a lot of interesting doors for them to I don't know, to to ex- explore these parts of their powers and their personality that can get lost in this giant universe of like, you know scrolls and, and Purple Hulks and stuff.
2: So uh, you know, we should talk about about this story and yeah, I, I spoil it, but the, the, you know the journey is the reward and it is a Marvel comic <laughs> so it really kind of ends up where it starts in some ways. What, what's nice is that um, because what remains at the end is the memory of it happening, it, it, and and this "No More Mutants" declaration, you know, it it is more standalone than a lot of the Marvel events. I think Merlin is absolutely right there, and uh, I I thought it was an interesting "What If?" When I was a kid, I always read the "What If?" comic, and I always thought it was really a cool idea. And here they upped the stakes a little bit. Although I have to say, when the first time I read it, and I was having a conversation with somebody about this, I can't remember who it is. You know, for the humans, it's really bad what happens here, right? It is, it is this, it is this terrible thing. But for some of these characters, I did question their motivations as they go through. Because Wolverine, what happens is there's the there's the there's so the girl. Many, so many L- questions. Layla. So what is it? Layla Miller? Is this girl <laughs> Miller, who, who's yes. been given the power to basically um, know stuff? She knows stuff. She knows, I know yeah. stuff. Wink. She can make you remember what it was like before, and Wolverine knows what it was like before. And I then... think
1: Layla's mutant power is that she's an anchor in in, in reality. Like, right. No matter like no matter where she is, she can see through whatever who is going on in any dimension. And and
0: but also, I mean, it. I don't. I don't mean to hijack your show, but it. Would, <laughs> I think just the conceit of it is worth mentioning, which is that, and again, this is what makes this such an interesting bridge to Scarlet Witch becoming. Um, such a important character in really th- at least three major events, which I think is very a very interesting move. Um, you know, so it's fair enough to spoil Avengers Disassembled. She goes completely monkey balls yep. and attacks all the Avengers. Yep. I thought that was a great crossover. She's yeah, already completely Hawkeye. out of control. And let's remember though, uh, and I, boy, I think this is this could be a whole episode on its own. Is that is that Avengers Disassembled started because Wasp is talking about? Her relationship with Hawkeye and Wanda suddenly flips out when she starts remembering these two kids that she had but didn't have. Right, that was right. Avengers Disassembled, right? And yeah. and so so she's she's just in the in a nut the way this whole uh, and I think I think technically yeah it's considered a fifty eight something universe, but I think it's just considered a kind of a bend of six one six in some ways. But you know she she the the beauty part of this that I think is is pretty good cover for the what ifness of it is that she. You know, basically uses these extraordinary powers to, in order to have a family. Family is such an important theme through all these books, especially in the last couple issues. Family is huge, Um, and we get that obviously with the Magnus clan. But in order for her family to be together and happy, and with her mind like rapidly disintegrating, she's going to basically make it so that anybody who's in a position to harm anyone in her family—not just her, but who can harm anyone in her family—and who could harm her make-believe children. Is gonna be Native given, as you say, given whatever it is that they most wanted, which I think is a very interesting topic to talk about, like <laughs> what that says about Wolverine, what that says about Gambit, right. but but mm-hmm. the, but that to me that that uh, like I said I don't want to take over, but I mean like that provides great cover for like why this was so interesting because there are all kinds of contradictions and holes in that, but it also leads us to as you say the just the re- the heartbreak oh, Peter Parker huge, but even Mystique yeah. you see Mystique's heart being broken. Uh, as she's losing this thing, that I guess, or like in Wolverine's case, Wolverine goes, I didn't know that I wanted to be Nick Fury. He's yeah. realizing things about yeah. himself. You know, let alone the memory thing, which is three episodes. But it's such a great cover. <laughs> and and they God. cover so much in that one first mm-hmm. book. I thought that was really impressive.
2: Before we started, uh, Moises mentioned that he had read uh, World War Hulk, too. And I, I was, and Planet Hulk. And I was reminded of the beginning of Planet Hulk or the thing that leads into it. It's a similar situation where you have superheroes, essentially, right? Superheroes, they're supposed to be the good guys, making a decision that is. At, at the very least, uh, seriously, morally questionable. And Planet Illumi- Hulk, the Illuminati. Yeah, in, in uh, Planet Hulk, they yeah. shoot the Hulk into space, and that's not going to that. That couldn't go wrong. That'll be that'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> what well, could possibly go wrong? So in House of M, it's Charles Xavier and the X Men and the Avengers having a little like staff meeting
0: at Avengers Tower to Brian discuss. Michael Bendis loves writing meetings. Yeah, he does. He also doesn't like writing beginnings. <laughs> the The Illuminati was, I think, probably his wet dream. He got to do an entire issue that was nothing but a long meeting. Uh, a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, when I was a kid, there was that issue of Amazing Spider-Man that was nothing but a fight between Spider-Man and the Kingpin. What
0: is Th- it? It's like George Lucas. Everybody like just that. The one that wants to make things about meetings. It's just, yeah, it's <laughs> meetings and
2: trade routes, and that's what it is. But in, so in this one, their meeting is, so we're going to kill Wanda, right? I mean, that's been Doctor Strange. Back me up here, and Doctor Strange is like, "Oh, I don't know. I can't figure it out." So let's kill let me, her.
3: Let me let me throw you. I actually I actually prepped part of this. In addition to his obsession with meetings, he also loves having Doctor Strange narrate an absurd amount of exposition justifying whatever crazy thing he's about to make happen. By
0: the eye of agamotto I Yeah uh, uh, by
3: the by the crimson bands of the Centerac and by the by hoary hosts of the Hogarth. Host Hoga. The
0: sublime magics of exposition.
3: Exactly. So so you get this cross section of a bunch of classic panels of, of Wanda Maximoff and Stephen Strange explaining everything. Yes. And this this is prior to them deciding, well, what we're going to do with it. This is, okay, everybody, here's what's actually going on. Please forget we're talking about your friend and listen to me tell you the story of an orphaned mutant with a sordid violent past, with powers she did not earn, nor can she control, powers she never fully understood. Can you understand the delicate mindset of a woman, a person who has control over reality? It means reality controls her, imagination becomes the enemy, structure disappears, reality eventually, as she knows it, starts to slip away, elude her, blur, drama, conflict, tragedy, they become excuses to change the world to fit the image that she has for it. Anything she doesn't like, she can change, no matter how slight. People, places, things. Everything is here oh is hers to change. That's a Marvel editorial meeting.
2: <laughs> okay, so that's bad.
3: Yeah, this, yeah, th- Good this tip, is, Egon. This is, th- yeah, this is a third. This is a third of this complete setup for... Brian Michael Bendis using Doctor Strange to hypnotize us into going. You know what? This all makes sense. They should kill her. Yeah. When when yes. when I don't when I
4: don't like something that Brian Michael Bendis has written, it's always because of two different three word word problems. One is beginning, middle, end. I don't think I think he loves the middle. He yep. doesn't like writing the the the, the, the finish, the, the the start, and he'll write the ending in the last three pages when he realizes, oh crap. It's supposed to be ten issues, not fifteen. Damn it, uh, 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 Doctor Strange, a- a- Doctor a- Strange, a- B-X, a- B-X. <laughs> and the and the and the second thing is he, the second three word thing is show don't tell. He mm-hmm. will he he loves he he loves to do the West Wing sort of thing where you can't have something being done with a glance and a significant nod. It has to be and
3: no one's no one's walking or talk walking while they're talking. They're all just talking over static frames.
0: The DSM-4 refers to this as Chris Claremont syndrome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's. It, um... You know, I love uh, some of Bendis' work, but but he, he it's not a, that he doesn't have his bag of tricks in it, and his, and his noticeable weaknesses. But, you know, but I, I, again, I think it's fascinating that they put their heroes in this position, hand-waving an exposition aside, of saying, all right, well, I guess, and of course it's easy for Wolverine to say, well, I think we just got a killer because that's a very Wolverine thing to say. Although, I actually kind of thought that that was not at all a Wolverine
0: thing to say. <laughs> like yeah. well, I, yeah, thought I, like a, I thought it people. was an people. Avengers uh, well, forgive <laughs> the parlance, Avengers versus X-Men thing, because, well, first oh, yeah. of all, you've got to kill her. There's no question. You have to kill her. Like, it just seems really obvious uh, after, you know, basically Vision and Jack of Hearts came. And Jack of Hearts was a bomb. Uh, her ex-husband, you know, I mean, she what she did in Disassembled, like, what do, what else do you guys need to see? But I, I, I to be honest, I, I think of the Bendis meeting genre, I thought some of these were pretty good. <laughs> I thought their discussions, first of all, God, how much you love that panel when they first walk in and, and yeah. Xavier's sitting there and you see everybody just sitting around the table and you're like, oh God, this is going to be such a long meeting. But, <laughs> but it's, uh, no, but I, I actually really enjoyed those. And to me, like the scenes, the uh, Talmudic scenes where they're talking about what should happen, what are we doing? You know, because each of them has their own embarrassing things that everybody kind of knows now. Everybody knows how full of themselves they are and how unhappy they were with their previous lives to where they have these jobs and responsibilities now that are antithetical, you know, to to everything we know about them as a character.
3: Apparently some people get wishes and some people don't. Like Dr. Doom's wish trumped Reed Richards getting a wish because Reed Richards is dead.
1: Well, nobody likes Reed Richards.
2: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> including Reed Richards, apparently.
1: <laughs> I've always, you know, I've actually wondered if there's like a big old core of self-loathing in, in, in the middle of his in, giant stretchy brain, just because nobody can be that consistently jerky without, without, either without, without bad the... bad writing. Well, I was going to say the <laughs> writers hate him, obviously, but I would like to hope that these guys are like, well, when you're that smart and you feel that disconnected from humanity, maybe you turn some of that, that anger and irritation on yourself. Um which is where they, they they were going in that direction with him in the Ultimate Universe for a while, but um, no the 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 spinoff stuff that they have going on like I um, when I read the the Fantastic Four House of M spinoff I thought how how is Ben Grimm's dream to be the subjugated pet of Doctor Doom yeah. where do, where does that fit in
2: No he d- he doesn't win
1: Ben Grimm wins because if it were you know if if it were the universe where you're going to pacify him he'd be back to looking like a normal human being like that's 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 been the things jam for years is i would like not to have skin that doubles as a national monument and the poor guy never gets it (laughs) and uh they had the
0: but also i mean uh, isn't he essentially aren't they kind of not enslaved precisely but well first of all he's not a mutant um so he's part of the underclass and uh, and he's basically getting used as a soldier, right? In, in, in that instance, but but you know, I think Gambit was a real standout to me for one, because first of all, I despise he's still
1: a criminal. Oh, God,
0: and now he's yes. a criminal. But you know, I, I anyway, I, I guess that's a, that's a whole different topic. But like the, the what it is that people wish for was to me like such a fantastic piece of this, because that was the chewiest part of this for me is is getting through all of that. But uh, but you know again the core the core part of the story is that you know uh, I guess it's kind of a mad woman in the attic thing in some ways but you know Wanda is so imbalanced that she puts this thing in place by blow the horn by basically sucking out all of the information that Professor X has gleaned over the years about mm-hmm. what people really want in their heart and that's going to enable you know her to pacify all of these people or you know keep them in the matrix basically right.
1: That would actually explain the Fantastic Four business because if uh, Wanda wasn't around the Fantastic Four that much, she's like, eh,
0: who cares? We'll just have him be dead.
1: Well, because what happens is Johnny Johnny Storm shows up in the Iron Man spinoff. Yes. Where where it turns out his fondest fantasy is to play second banana to Tony Stark. Who knew? Yeah.
3: And um, yeah, but I don't think he that's wants, the, he wants to be the bucky to Tony Stark's Iron Man. So
2: here's the thing. I don't think I, I think it's wrong to say that what this is is everybody getting their wish. She's not a genie that's no, granting everybody their wish. Deployment. It, right. She is, I think it's absolutely right to say what she's doing is is setting up a world where where, like you said, the people who are most likely going to be a threat to her are are pacified.
0: It's a it's a psychic bribe, and as soon as yeah. you get a, and crack, the other
2: ones don't matter, right? It's like it doesn't matter right. that Ben Grimm is is an underclass, and that Rich Reed Richards is dead. She just needs to set it up enough
0: that the biggest threats to her are off the table. And then she brings... But she's also got a great little thing that you have to dig into a little bit. You know, they keep talking about popping a stitch. Well, you know, uh, Madam Web is there to be the wolf. She's like the Harvey Keitel character or something. Like, it's her Mm -hmm. job to go in and, like, take you to this little Madam Web re-education camp to remind you that there's no man behind the curtain, which I thought was pretty subtle, but very interesting, because you can see... I don't know if it's there's a Robert Reynolds guy who I don't know that character at all uh, that's going to talk to Stephen uh, Strange, but you know you can definitely tell. I mean, and don't you get the sense that like the people are walking around going, doesn't this, something seems not quite right? And I really did get the feeling that you know again like some people can remember what happened because they were cloaked. By Emma's seventeen spells or whatever, and Doctor Strange's stuff, but but part of what made it so fascinating to me also was they weren't just automatons. You know, obviously in the second issue, it was a great—I thought a, a really well done presentation. My daughter found it confusing. We read one to seven together, in uh, after school today, <laughs> but um, you know, in, in in this, I'm carrying on. I'm sorry, but the second the second one, I thought was was really really fun popcorn comic book stuff, but with a heart. And, uh, you know, again, it's like any of us. It's it's almost like the wire, right? We're all compromised by some system. You know, whatever system we are beholden to will ultimately corrupt us. And in this case, that's our own desires and wishes, especially when we see what happens with Wolverine, which, you know, I'm a big Wolverine fan. But, like, what happens to Wolverine in this I thought was just completely amazing. Um, well,
2: it, it isn't a lot of the story I, – I thought that was – I thought that was really good, Merlin. I'm glad
0: I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you had me. Thank you.
2: <laughs> the um one of the, part of the story is here's the price of of you getting what you want, right? The dream all along was this mutant utopia. That was that was that was you know Magneto's dream. It's, it's sort of the ideal of the X-Men in some ways. Um and here they get some of that and it's it's really not that great you know it's great for them in the lives but as soon as they remember what their other lives are like they're like oh my god this is terrible i can't believe that this that this has happened and and so it's a nice, it's a nice twist to be able to to have that, and that's really what what issue two and sort of issue three are. Is really, it's just the the memory brigade going from person to person and having them remember their past. And with Spider Man, I mean, that's the most for me. That was by far the most affecting thing in here. That's the thing I remembered, other than no more mutants at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. Was was what happens to Peter Parker? Because Peter Parker, you know, you can really rewrite his life to be happy. don't
0: you you want that guy to catch a break sometimes yeah
2: yeah exactly and so in this he sort of is set up in this wonderful scenario and so when he discovers that it's all a fake it's it's brutal it's really really brutal and that that you know i i appreciated that as as painful as that was to see because you know you're really kind of remembering all these terrible things that have happened to peter parker did you read the tie-in for that I uh, so I read I read the tie-in and it's confusing because like you said it's it it, it
0: it it's hard to see where it would be because you wonder why Peter has short hair in, yeah, in House he of
2: Venom yeah and he shaves his head but at the end he fakes his death and he goes off to spell, a lake yeah. with his family and that couldn't happen no it, you know one of the things about this is it is this kind of speculation kind of thing and though there are these tie-in issues in some ways it's really like. It's just an excuse to tell stories, and I mean why why do some people have memory and some people don't why do some people uh you know have their dreams come true and others don't It's mostly because they came up with some good story ideas but the the spider man thing just is not. In the same story as the regular House of M series, it's just well, not. the
3: whole thing can be explained away by by well, you know, Wanda's unstable and her brain can only do so much, and you know, a lot of things don't line up, and that's just what this weird alternate reality is like. I just hope that they don't, you know, when they started an Age of Apocalypse standalone series, I was like, okay, that that totally that's fine, but I I really hope they never go that route with the House of M universe because. I I just don't think that it works outside of the limited range of what they did with it here. It just, it, it barely holds together this way where we forgive a lot of continuity issues. Um, but I, I just, uh, you know, it's, it's an important thing. It's after effects are very important and a big deal as Merlin touched on earlier. Um, But I just hope that they don't go, you know, that was really successful. We should probably start an alternate reality uh, series and then find a way to cross (sighs) it over with the main universe again and confuse everybody all over again.
1: For once, I'd like to see an alternate universe where the mutants don't hate the humans. They just kind of ignore them or they peacefully coexist with them. And there's not this really sharp, you know, well, now that we have the upper hand, it's time to see how you like being called names and, and being denied professional opportunities. Ha 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 ha. I mean, the X Men has always been a really handy metaphor for, for otherness in society. You know, sometimes it's a stand-in for civil rights. A lot of times, it could be a stand-in for civil rights. And oh, yeah. what I don't like is how the alternate universe default message is, oh, if you give those minorities rights, they'll they'll immediately turn and put the boot on your neck. Like I think that's I think that's lazy storytelling, huh. and it's not very thoughtful.
2: Yeah, it is a switcheroo, not a not yeah. a an, an actual exploration of what if the X-Men or Magneto necessarily got their way. It's like because yeah. it's not what if we were treated equally. It's what if we ruled you. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I mean, if you if you wanted to to look at it in far more offensive terms instead of it being mutants and human beings, you could say Pick a disenfranchised minority in the United States, and
0: what if they got the upper hand? Well, they'd put yeah. you in your place. Like that's why it's like that's why it's like Planet of the Apes to me. Yeah, is, <laughs> is You're right. Yeah. And to me, X Men, X Men is very much it's it's you know I've enjoyed some of the Ultimate stuff. I've enjoyed you know lots of I've enjoyed some of the season one stuff that's happened just because it's fun to read with your kid or whatever. But you know yeah. one of the things that I think makes everything difficult. 10 and 15 and 20 years on and it's why the 80s and 90s were so bananas for Marvels Marvel in some oh, ways the mid 80s and beyond was that you know each one of those comics was really of a time and this sounds so obvious but i think it always needs to be underscored is that if you if you go back and read the fantastic 4 in the context of a, a nuclear age uh, if you or you know, or the Hulk for that matter, but uh, the space race. But if you, yeah, sure. And but if you read the X Men, uh, maybe I'm over reading this. But like to me, it's very much about civil rights, and yeah, you know, yeah. and then go to jump to Days of Future Past. I mean, that's a pretty good. And well, oh, I lo- God I loves. Love that. I mean, go go read God. God loves man. Kills. And oh, man. It's, it's practically, oh man! Which I thought was fantastic. But it, fantastic. It's just all there. The bus striker guy gets under your skin. <laughs> but but you know, I I thought it was. I thought it was. Well, I mean, I don't know. There's so many ways this stuff can go wrong, and I don't want to. You know, email Jason. But there's so many things where I've tried <laughs> to pick up something like Secret Invasion, or I'm told that fear itself can mostly be read you know, in this similar way. But it just feels like there's like 14 inches, if you will pardon my saying, of Fear Itself on the shelf. And I find that very intimidating. In this case, I was really happy to see, even if I bought a TPB tie-in for this, which which I did, um, mm-hmm. a bunch of them, but I was really happy that I didn't have to have all of that. Yes. And that this did work on its own. But again, I can't get away from the basic framing device. It wasn't just like, oh, something topsy-turvy happened. Uh, you know, it's all based And again, I don't want to turn Wanda and, as I say, the crazy woman in the attic, but I love the idea... But she is... Well, she, she's literally in the attic. Like she made up. Yeah. There's like a body decoy <laughs> she, out she there. Is, she's actually. She is, she is actually in the attic.
1: I mean, I mean, call the first Mrs. Rochester. The first Mrs. Rochester. That's when, what she when, is. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to explain to my daughter. Like, I like she's <laughs> like, oh, Stephen's making the hand thing, and he's gonna go up and talk to Wanda. He sees a light up there, and she's playing Lego with her kids. And it's, I was like, yes, so you understand how many levels of bananas are here? She doesn't. She kind of knows this is happening, but she doesn't know it's happening. Does she know she's doing it? And then on top of it all, down at her dad's big day she's got a fake body version of herself wandering around so she can play yes. lego with her make-believe children in a tower that doesn't exist
1: oh i never leave them far from me is that because you're crazy or is because that because your magic doesn't work that way? Well? and yet
0: and yet i really like that scene. can it be <laughs> both
1: oh yeah well she's she's super creepy
3: she has enough brain power to go oh dr strange hold on a minute let me get Dormammu move for you he's right <laughs> over here <laughs> she, she she has she has this endless amount of bandwidth all of a sudden where she can play legos with her kids, fight doctor strange, entertain party guests, and, Mo- move and a do- wall. Move
2: that's, a why, wall. that's why she's so dangerous. If she's that good.
3: This yeah, but like this this whole thing that we're getting into is something that that I that I think uh, I, I I lost track of. I don't know if it was Jason or Lisa who who uh, who put it this way, but uh, but it feels like you know, a, a blade of grass moves in the Marvel universe, and suddenly everything's coming up Hitler.
1: That would be Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't have that gift of uh, that gift of phraseology. Well, okay. I, that
3: was that was. I my, didn't that. that was my rephrasing, crystallization of of, of what mm-hmm. you guys were saying. Where there's there's there there's <laughs> the. There's the you know step you know, on a butterfly thing, and everything suddenly goes totalitarian. Right, you right.
1: Know, now I'm now I'm thinking of the the musical about Gypsy Rose Lee, and instead of everything coming up roses, it's everything's coming up Hitler. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, in Australia, having read those incredible Hulk issues, it turns out Australia is run by Nazi mutants. It totally <laughs> is.
1: everything's coming. Up
2: here. It's Nazi mutants in Australia, which which Magnus tolerates. Magneto's closest
3: followers, back from when there was asteroid M and all that stuff, and there were lots of shoulder pads in the nineties. Uh, these guys are, are the the followers of this Jewish Holocaust survivor have turned Australia into uh, into the mutant Reich.
2: Yes. Yeah, I was
1: just about to ask. That's logical. That, that's never really uh, passed the the, the 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 ideological consistency test. <laughs> you know, I would think that he'd be dedicated to never again. You know, <laughs> oh 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 oh. But here's the other here's the other thing: is is this is Pietro's idea that he cooks up to keep his sister alive Ooh, and well? And, and... Spoiler
0: spoiler 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 oh, come horn. On. Okay, the spoiler this, horn is I, fire. Is I still like love that twist. Nine? Every time I get to that twist, yeah. where Doctor Strange in that lower right hand corner is like. <gasps> It wasn't Magneto's idea. It I'm wasn't. like, oh, this is so good. Well, well they did protest too much a little too much there, right? But you know, there's there's a couple th- there's a couple threads that I find very interesting. Personally, I mean, if uh, you know, uh 30, 35 hour episode allowing, I I I I would love to talk about Wolverine uh, at some point because mm-hmm. the whole Wolverine remembering thing, for some reason, just cuz I'm always kind of pulling for the little guy, that just that really grabbed my heart. In, this, in a similar way to the way that the Peter Parker thing happened. But just in terms of a little bit of, of a plot uh – well, he, he basically he wakes up. Well, it's in the realizing... midst of. For, well, I mean, it's in the midst of everybody. We've, we're going through this wonderful thing. I thought wonderful thing. My daughter's like, why do they keep cutting? She's five. I said, well, they keep cutting because they're doing this whistle stop tour of like what's happening with everybody. But Moises, your your um your setup part is great though because it was I think it was an issue too. It's when we're going through.
3: I think so. The,
0: the survey of what's happening, people, and I thought it was so fun. I'm not super familiar with Wonder Man. Is that right? Like I I, don't, I didn't know some of the characters super well. I had to go look them up. But like going through there. And it's like Janet, as you'd imagine, like Janet is a fashion designer and Aurora is like the head of Kenya. Kenya. Yeah. yeah and sure. and on and you, on. Yeah. And you're going, oh, this is awesome. And and Carol is finally like this famous superhero. But then you, you cut and you cut to like the, the adamantium aquarium and you see bubble, bubble, bubble. You know what I mean? Instead of being mm-hmm. like, oh, it, you know, it, it's Wolverine and I'm making s'mores with my claws. You see that. And did you guys ever read the Windsor – is it Windsor – what's the guy's name? The guy who did the uh, Weapon X Moises? Uh, Barry Windsor Smith. Smith, It's a tough read. It's a real tough read about like how I know I'm 46. Why do I care? I still find it a very tough read. What happened to Wolverine? Because I think it's a very important part of his story, and 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 why we must always remember that he is in constant pain, like none of us will ever realize, as his body tries to reject his skeleton every second of the day. So, but instead of so you go, oh, this is great. Here's Janet. That's why he drinks. Of course. Well, here I uh. So i had to prep for the night the um but you get that one scene and you see the aquarium right says, and yep. then you're thinking hmm that's kind of interesting so he's always what he he's always wanted to be like nemo like what is going on why is he breathing underwater
3: and and then he screams in pain and wakes yeah! up from a nightmare yes uh with a sh- with a shape-shifted mystique uh Saying good well, it looks like it's Jean Grey. looks Gray like top. it's Jean it Grey. Like
1: and then he's a little freaked out at first. But so, well, it's yeah. we, we actually recognize it. We
0: recognize it as him. But, yeah. but the thing is, the tank part, we recognize, I think anybody who's read even a couple of these comics yeah. will recognize that as his life-altering experience where his bone you know, bones were all... Where the
1: adamantium got fused to his bones. Right. Where they
0: basically dissolved they dissolved his entire body, covered him with mm-hmm. adamantium, and then let it regenerate. So that's a pretty... Wow, that doesn't seem very fun.
1: No.
0: But he wakes up next to Jean Grey. But no, oh, she's not Jean Grey.
2: It's, it's Mystique. And no, oh, they're like on the helicarrier because he's like Nick Fury. <sighs> he's
1: the head of, of the Red Team, and and he's running. Yeah, he's
3: he is uh, he's essentially a Shield stooge that's mm-hmm. banging Mystique, he, and he's working for Sebastian
0: Shaw, his boss he's is Sebastian, for Shaw. Sebastian
1: Shaw. Because yes, Sebastian because Sebastian Shaw running Shield. It's it's um
0: of course. How much did you love the scene in Connecticut, though? at uh and i had to i had to hold this up Scott
1: and scott nema's house where yeah and i was like oh yeah i was
0: like honey what else do you notice that's kind of weird about this and she's like there's a sentinel flying by outside Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was so subtle but i thought it was so perfect like what is what is going on in this monkey balls universe
1: no the background art on this is beautiful and, and, and so is the supporting the supporting stuff like their little the pulse newspaper and uh the pop culture stuff the advertisements
2: they go um, to um they go to to Emma's house and then Scott is coming over and they've already kind of woken her up um and i i was really amused by that especially because i, I until i read Joss Whedon's uh, um astonishing x-men i i didn't realize this new status quo which is that that Emma Frost is in the x-men and she's she's going out with Scott Summers uh, I always thought that was kind of bizarre and yet actually kind of brilliant. I actually kind of love that, that there's this, this Scott Summers, Emma Frost thing. I think it's the thing that makes Scott Summers the most interesting he's ever been. And there's that great moment in House of M that, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, but I love the moment where they look down and realize that they're married. They have wedding <laughs> rings and it's like, why are we married? Right. Because they're together, but, th- but they're not This is married. after Layla. They're way this is... too cool to be right. married. This is after Layla has started doing
0: her business on everybody. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, but that's their moment when they when they wake up.
3: After Wolverine jumps off of the helicarrier into Times Square. Yes.
0: And sees all the <laughs> to, ads for everybody.
1: As you do, yes. Yeah.
3: He's like, oh, great. Wonder Man, Dazzler, Mary Jane Watson, and, and Miss Marvel are the most
2: popular people on right. the planet. Dazzler is Oprah, basically.
1: It truly is a dystopia.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it is because she is a talented singer. And shouldn't be
0: hosting a talk show. You get a disco ball. You get a disco ball. You get a disco ball.
3: And, you know, I, I think I think Dazzler gets gets an extraordinarily unfair amount of crap. And if you if you've read Greg Pak's Extreme X Men series that just recently got uh, got canceled, yeah. unfortunately,
2: Dazzler's the star, and she's awesome,
3: and
0: she's awesome. Right. Like she has the so shut up. Poten- is that the one where the potential- is that one where Nightcrawler's a kid?
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes and and Charles Xavier is a severed head in a bubble.
1: Is it available on Marvel Unlimited?
2: Not yet, I think. Not yet, I think it's It's too- on
0: Comixology. Yeah. But, but but so the critical the critical the critical point here, I think where where the story turns the second time though, is when Wolverine wakes up, you know even if I have again, I'm explaining this to my daughter, she's five, and I'm trying to like, whoa, wait a minute. what? Why is there a sentinel? Doesn't that seem a little crazy? So at each turn, I'm trying to like, you know feed her a little bit of like what's coming because it's a lot to cover. But then Wolverine wakes up and two interesting things happen. You know, um first of all, uh, he thinks something's up. He's the only one we've met so far. Like, you know, Peter Parker's pretty smart, and, he, and he's got Spidey sense and stuff, and he doesn't know anything's up in his world, although he does seem a little bit weirded out
3: we, we, we figure out that he's been kind of been
0: going monkey balls the whole time Ex- I, exactly well or again the this is to me completely off topic but the robert reynolds thing or whatever is that there are people who you know something happens with the uh, red gelatin and they know that there's a matrix thing going on the blackness in his case or whatever but two things first of all wolverine realizes something is amiss hmm that's very interesting the readers are realizing that but then one of my favorite i don't know i love the little guy Something happens that's very important in the history of Wolverine, because it's part of what made his character his character, and what happens? He suddenly remembers his life. Yes, which, all of it. It's been a huge thing. I mean, apart from his bursitis that he's had has all the time <laughs> from the adamantium, he doesn't know how old he is. We know he's been around since at least, like, what, the Civil War? He's probably 150 years old. And then suddenly, there's that heartbreaking, like I don't know, heartrending scene for me where he's like, "Wait a minute!" He's standing on the helicarrier, <laughs> the Magneto helicarrier, with the mm-hmm. Magneto flags, and goes, "I remember everything. I remember my whole life." And there's this wonderful—I love these kinds of montages. I love the Jean Grey montage in All New X-Men that accomplishes this, but or the Peter Parker one, and this is great. And you see this two-page spread of like this flash of memories. You know, and he you see him with his bone claws fighting a what a bear or something. But I mean, like to me, little that's... man
3: attack Hulk.
0: <laughs> but did you guys like that? I, I I don't know. Am I just sentimental or? You know, uh, story-wise, obviously, it's interesting that he's realized this, and he doesn't know why. He doesn't know why it's crazy, and he doesn't know. And I'm trying to explain to my daughter, like, do you see, like, all the levels of crazy here? One, has got these levels of crazy. But now Wolverine woke woke up, and he feels like he's taking crazy pills because he knows it's wrong. He knows it shouldn't be. And he he says to Mystique, like, where were we yesterday? Because all he knows is that, like, yesterday he was in a different you know marvel universe so anyway i, I the fact that he gets his memory back and the fact that he keeps his memory i think is super mm-hmm. super interesting to the story um even before we meet Layla, who knows stuff
2: well that that's i mean isn't that that the joy of this of, of this whole thing i mean honestly there's there is a big fight at the end i mean really the plot of this is everybody remembers that this is a fake and then there's a big fight and then that that's the end i mean that's kind of
1: Fights are kind of the icebreaker in the Marvel universe. Though. Well, they There's are
2: always
0: a fight. They are. They are, and 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 we ha- and we have that. But I'm just saying the, r- the talk, real thing— Scott from- Scott monologued about fighting a lot longer than they actually fight. I'm just going to tell you, it's mm-hmm. it's no World War Hulk in terms of fights, and I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. But there was like six good pages of fighting, and then like mm-hmm. Scott talking for several pages about the ethics of fighting. That's that's what this what this is
2: in in House of M is really. Interesting stories about how these characters, little vignettes almost in some cases, how these characters deal with their different situation, and that's really what 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 is interesting to me about it. I mean, the the, the fights that happen as icebreakers, and the we're gonna go to uh, Genosha and fight things, and which is like a replay of how this all started, sort of. You know, that that was much less interesting to me. I actually think like I said, the Spider Man thing, Wolverine is absolutely true. Hawkeye, which we haven't really talked about, which Who is Dead in Avengers Disassembled. It's
0: easily the second least annoying Hawkeye ever. Well the current the current Hawkeye. Well, after the current Hawkeye, the current which is one Hawkeye of the is pretty awesome. current Hawkeye. Hey, easy text. Current Hawkeye, which is one <laughs> of the best comics ever. And then, like, normally you're like, well, why is a purple man in a dress like part of the Avengers? That's a different thing. <laughs> um, hey, Jason, Jason, you're the uh, you're the the Spidey guy. Do you want to maybe flesh out? Because, because, boy, I'll tell you, I love when I turn that page, the baby's crying, and then you see that blonde hair, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, well, Gosh. that's, that's the big that, that George O'Keefe, end of... that George O'Keefe, White Flash was real, man. Something uh, just crazy balls just happened at the, at the end of of, of the Number first one, issue. Yeah. That's
2: all we see is the little. There's a picture. And uh and some uh, and some blonde hair that, in the that ain't bed no, and
0: that ain't no red hair. No. You just hit no. the double jackpot tiger.
2: Yeah, well so so it's uh and we discover that Peter Parker is not just like happy and doesn't just like have Gwen Stacy alive. He is famous, rich uh has a giant conglomerate is an entertainment star is known as both spider-man and peter parker is married to gwen stacy they have a son is buying
3: norman osborne out from under himself
2: yes has bought out all of norman osborne stuff gwen stacy drops the hammer gwen stacy parker drops the hammer on norman osborne he buys all his stuff so fun. um And uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Uncle Ben's alive. Aunt May is
0: alive. Captain Stacy is alive. He's not racked with constant Peter Parker-ness anymore. Which, again, as you say, if this becomes like age of fear, planet, house of M, Like, we'll be bummed. Mm -hmm. But like in this case, you're like, oh, God, the guy caught a break. He's got, my daughter loves Richie. Like, oh, yeah, he's two or three. He's so cute. He's got the little boy. And you go like, oh, God, it's Uncle Ben. You know, it's, uh, and Andy, you're like, aren't you a pretty big Spider-Man guy? Uh,
4: yeah, my, my love goes up and down, though.
0: But, I mean, from back in the day, like, we talked about this oh, yeah. on the uh, another program I do on 5 by 5 and, like, how it's it's so, one of the things that makes, well, maybe, arguably, you guys tell me if you think otherwise, but I think one of the things, <sighs> so obvious, makes Peter Parker Spider-Man such a great character is that as awesome as he is and funny as he is and talented and helpful, and the fact that he'll, like, stop what he's doing and, like, he's he's never got any money, he's always poor, and he'll, like, stop whatever he's doing because he feels like he has to help somebody because there's still that one day from 1960 diggity one two three or whenever it was he screwed up really bad one time and that now defines his character in a way yes. that i think is pretty credible a lot of the time and he doesn't have that now he's got the woman that he loved and my god when you see that one panel with the snap doesn't that just kind of break your heart a little? well bit? it's
2: with with great power comes great riches and success apparently in this world and and, and it, it, a publicist it, named J. Jonah
3: Jameson.
0: Oh
2: yes, yes,
1: <laughs> yes. He he
2: hires Jonah as his publicist so that he can treat him like dirt. And it's 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 it, yeah, it's interesting because it is such a departure, and it isn't the Peter Parker that we know. And uh, and uh, you know, I was fascinated from that the whole idea of like, well, finally he's got a he's got a break. But that's of course the thing is this can't this can't stay, and it's got to go back. And it and but it's very upsetting for him because he's really got. You know, this wonderful life that he has to give up. And so from his perspective, all of a sudden he's losing his child and his wife and his uncle, who he he lost so painfully so long ago and got back,
0: and, and Gwen's father, and, you know, oh, right. it's... Yeah. But he's yeah. got, you know, again, like not to beat it to death, but he's got and family. And all the money. He's got family. He doesn't. I mean, like it's one thing to like protect Aunt May and her numerous heart attacks, as his diary yes. reveals. But you know, his <laughs> <laughs> twisted, insane diary. I love his diary. But uh, that's in the in looks the like his
3: diary. That's like out of the out of the 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 pages of the movie Seven. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a really that's a lot of information for one diary. But again, he, he's got a family. <laughs> he's gone. He's gone beyond having to worry about basically having the slightly retardate personality I, i'm sorry that I, you know the word i'm trying to use here he's using the the kind of backward mentality of a slightly sophisticated high school student to now having a family where he can be a grown up right and he's genuinely happy which is nice
1: he's a fully realized adult
0: He's literally getting to wear the daddy pants. Yes, of course he's.
2: It's all. Well, it's all a sham because he said so, said to everyone that he's a mutant and he's not.
0: Oh, that. See, that was the best part of the tie-in because I hadn't thought about that a lot. I mean, and then that got me thinking: Why didn't you kill Luke Cage and my beloved black cat? Like, wh- why were they allowed to still live? Do you know what I mean? It's not like they were. They were used to uh, make soil green or something, but but in Spidey's case, he'd been he was passing. He was passing Soylent strange. Was passing strange.
3: Well, it's well. Th- then this whole thing for me brought up a bigger question that continued to ripple across the time stream as I jumped from crossover to crossover in the wrong order, in a way that could only be bad for my brain. Where I started thinking about, well, what what is a mutant really, and why do we not classify Peter Parker as a mutant? It, it's yeah. oh, well, he wasn't born that way. So or that's Jessica Drew. Yeah. Well, they don't they don't have the g- they don't have the gene. They don't have the gene, but the the fluffy science that they use to define all this stuff in the first place kind of starts to fall apart when it's well, is it a is it a gene sequence? Because then theoretically you could have the same kind of gene sequence be what has been inserted into Jessica Drew's DNA, what well, depending on which of the 17 different versions there now are of Peter Parker's origin as Spider-Man, you go with, you know, that it, it just
2: it gets more and more complicated as to well how mutated are you really? Well, I always liked that in Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, where there is this, in the Ultimate Universe, there is this kind of dichotomy between humans and mutants, too. And it's a little bit differently drawn than it is in the main Marvel Universe. I like that that um, Spider-Man is, I think, basically assumed to be, Peter Parker assumed to be a mutant, in his interactions with the X-Men and when he's dating Kitty Pride. And it, it puts him in an interesting position because what he can't do is say, oh, no, 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 I'm not a mutant. You can like me because his friends are the, are mutants and, and that puts him in this terrible position of saying, you don't have to discriminate against me. I'm not a mutant.
0: And so he just sort of just deals with it that they think he's a mutant even though he's not. But, but that also gets to the, to the core discrimination issue, which is that you know we as enlightened people can look at people of many races and say well certainly there are differences but there's nothing genetically that makes these people who look a certain way bad people but that again to me this goes straight back to the discrimination uh, thread of uh, from the 60s from the you know X-Men volume 1 stuff yep which is that you know what if you got superpowers that's great you know that's that's super you know we uh, you know we 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 really like we love we love Captain Marvel we love whomever. But like you know what, I've never trusted those mutants because they're different and they think they're better than us. Homo superior, really? So I think that's yeah. that's a key thing that, that can't be lost. In well, it's it.
2: also the threat of them overtaking humanity. I think is 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 what's playing there at least in the in the storyline. Is that it's,
0: it always it always has been? If yeah. you get
2: hit because you're in the street and there's a truck with radioactive material that strikes you in the head and makes you blind, but gives you a radar sense so that you can see but without seeing. That's a. I mean, how often is that going to happen? Well, it's right?
0: part of what made Stryker so great in um, uh, "God Loves, Man Kills," which I really—I don't know if you guys are fans, but like, I just I can't recommend that book highly enough. I am as a stand- stand-alone yeah. X-Men story, it's pretty hard to beat um, because he's a. It's. <laughs> I mean, for those of you who are anywhere near my advanced age, you really remember. I say this. I say this without judgment or criticism, but there was a time in the '80s where we were pretty overrun by like TV ministers and zealots who were going way out of their way to create these, you know, bifurcations in the culture. And uh, and that's why I thought that was so effective in that case. And in this case, you know, obviously it's taking this thing and, and turning a, uh, on its head. But um, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I thought the idea, you know the phrase passing strange, the idea that you could pass because there was a time, especially in the U.S., where if you were very light-skinned, you know, yeah. Lena Horne, I think Lena Horne, I'm trying to remember this correctly, but people with the skin tone of Alina Horn could get away with being white, which if you or they watch, would say that they're they're they're, they're Latin. They're they've got sure. You know, they're, and they're, if you watch, i part Puerto Rican, but oh, if you watch, that. you know, Ken Burns's Jazz, then you know that uh, you know Louis Armstrong did not get to sleep in the nice hotels, even yeah, though exactly. he's the most gifted musician in America. And uh, I I I thought they addressed that well. Can,
3: I, I, the thing that I just can't let go of in, in House of M is. The, those those little holes that are poked in it where I'm like, well, this is this is really more more like an issue of what if stretched out than than a full on storyline, because this character and this character and this character there, I I almost can't understand why they would wish for this. Like, why would why would the Hulk's most fervent wish be to be out at peace among a bunch of aboriginals and then have to reenact World War Hulk or not World War Hulk, but Planet Hulk to some extent uh, in Australia and and still not be happy and at peace. Like, why are none of these people's most fervent? Because
1: because it goes back to Jason's theory that uh, Wanda was strategically deploying people into into lives that would keep them distracted and away from her.
0: But also, but she's, she also, I mean, like this to me is, is where it gets interesting also is that she placed everybody. It's i never, I don't play video games, but what like Sims or something like you started out, you put all these people into this little environment and said, okay, or, or D and D for example, like I'm going to give you this vorpal weapon and this many high hard boots and, and this gold. And then I'm gonna see what happens. Like I've set you up, but in this instance, who knows like where in that, whatever 15 years that this has been going on. Didn't you get the sense this has been happening? Cause remember he goes to, uh, the mansion and the guy says he's been living in Xavier's place for 15 years so this is and yet there are callbacks to stuff that's happened in the past like J. Jonah Jameson right so yeah. at some there's there's something that's happened where at some point in the timeline things changed and like that was acceptable but I also I'm, I'm what makes this work for me and maybe this is my own personal retconning Moises um, but I, I, I think part of it might also be like yeah okay I've set you up with the thing you wanted and now I'm going to play Mr. Rourke and I'm just going to sit back and like, I'm going to see what happens with you. Like, maybe things didn't go well for Gambit, like, like who knows? But you know, I, I didn't read the Hulk one. I didn't love the art in it. The, the, the art, the art
3: in the Hulk one didn't put me off as much as the art in the Iron Man tie in, which I mostly read because I, Greg Pak wrote it and I'm obsessed with the guy. Um, <laughs> yep. and there, there, the, there are some bits of art in some of these crossovers that put me off a little bit, Yeah. but none of them put me off. Um. So much that I I just couldn't read it if it was
2: if it was a series or a tie in that I wanted to read anyway. So one of the things I like and Merlin um, said this and I, I I like it is there is this eight issue core miniseries and you don't need anything else. You really don't to tell this story. And then there are these side trips, and it's almost like it doesn't matter whether the side trips are in the continuity or not, because the Spider-Man really doesn't make any sense in continuity at all the way it ends up. <laughs> Except we get to see him tortured in a different universe. <laughs> yeah, it's total, It's more of the more, more pain. If you would like, are you interested in this pain that you've seen from Peter Parker? We have five issues for you to read if you'd like to see it in detail, right? If
1: you'd like to see more, send a self-addressed stamped envelope.
2: Yeah, and, and, and you'll get some more Peter Parker pain, because there's plenty to go around. But I did like that about it, that everything else is just sort of like not required reading. It's it, follow your your interests. There's a thing with Hawkeye coming back from the dead. There's the Iron Man stuff. There's the Hulk stuff. There's the, um, oh, what was the other one that I read? I mean, it, there there were lots of different, uh, different tie-ins, but they weren't really, none of them felt remotely necessary. And so it was really just right. sort of like whatever you know happen to get your attention the the Fantastic 4
0: I think Wolverine Wolverine and Spider-Man I flipped through a bunch and read a, read a couple. And I, I flipped through fin- and again, and this is like me and Greg learned, where we like if I see a certain kind of art, I just go close the book. It just drives me bananas. But I think the Wolverine tie in
1: Oh, I'm glad. The
0: Wolverine tie in. Yeah, you know what? He needs to meet a meet a woman who has a second expression. But the um the Wolverine <laughs> tie in I thought was very good. I thought the Spider Man tie in, even though I was a little dissatisfied with how it, you know, kind of didn't relate like a pocket in a pocket, but um, but uh,
2: Fantastic Four or uh, the Captain America, uh, Brubaker Captain I didn't America number read ten. It yet. that that that's good because it, it it literally is just recapping um, Captain America's the, life al- in the, the alternate.
3: It's the it's the most definitive sad
0: old man comic ever <laughs> of all time. Man, when you see him ever. go out and check his mail, though, isn't that pretty great? I mean, it's he's so old. <laughs> He's, well, he's so old in that issue too. He's, uh, but isn't like Dum Dum in it? I flipped by, but it looks like the the yeah. Fury.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Barry Zemo's in it. I mean, it. it Harry covers, Truman.
0: It, so Harry Truman. So, so
1: in a way, you can argue <laughs> that he gets what he wants, which is to grow old with his contemporaries. Well, Calloway, like not, our gang. Because the big old tragedy of Captain America is always oh, a man out of time, and 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 he has nothing to live for oh, but yeah. his morals.
2: He's the first man on the moon. Well, and that th- that
3: all still still fits in here because not three or four pages go by that he doesn't say something along the lines of, "Oh, you know, the way the world is these days, you know, it's like it's like I don't belong here." Like he's still essentially the exact same character. Yeah, tremendously dissatisfied with having you know yeah. changed history. Yes, and, and he's and divorced and, and everything,
2: and alone, and Bucky hates him, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah and he's they they sort of think he's a traitor and he because he, he didn't testify in in the McCarthy hearings actually it's kind of funny but that was a good standalone issue but they they're not necessary right i mean that's that, that was the nice thing about about all of them is totally that, like is you that, don't
0: I mean that's what's so frustrating is somebody coming in from the outside with a budget is like you oh you got to buy all yeah and it's hard well, to well know well they just did
2: they just did that that whatever it was extermination or whatever that was the the alternate reality right. X-Men comics event and it was the last issue of Extreme X-Men and it I, I first off I I thought it was nonsensical and second it was not like I could just buy the Buy the event and read it. It was like, buy issue 38 of this comic and buy issue 22 of this comic. And then it's continued. And it was just, it was confusing and, and even more transparently, an attempt to just get you to buy issues of a comic that you don't read. And it, that always drove me crazy. So it, it, it's nice. It's nice when, when it's, you know, these
0: spinoffs are optional. The main story in the main story. Yeah, I, I like that. that I've that. heard people say this about John Byrne, and I, I don't know enough to say if this is true. But you know, he's done some stuff people thought was a little wacky sometimes. But what people say about him is like he never forgot that the comic should be fun. And and when you're trying to you know make your business sustainable when when the money's tough, you know I, I you've got to probably make all kinds of nutball decisions you know to get people to go out and do it. But like you know, I love Comicsology. This is nothing as the app or or the people who make it. I think this has a lot to do with Marvel, but it's frustrating to me that, like you can go and buy stuff by story arc, but you or storyline or whatever, but you can't read it that way. So like I love right. Fantastic Four and FF, and frankly, if I got the floppies, I love the way they interleave. Like personally, like I, you know, with the Hickman stuff uh and and with the Fraction, yeah, Fraction stuff. I really like that, but it, it's it's a difficult way to read when you in my case, I'm not even going to tell you what I did to try and quote-unquote prepare for this I, I have a sheaf of paper next to me from different reading order sites and uh <laughs> and and like you know like you know what i'm not going to go out and read there's always one iron fist you have to read for everything the, <laughs> you know what i mean it's like when you buy yep. the legos in a bag an, an no, iron fist. Not. you got to no, read
2: heroes not. for hire number 23
0: Lisa, are you saying just, something against iron fist just so we're clear
1: no i'm just saying i, re- I reject your notion of mandatory uh mandatory issues.
3: uh, (laughs) I I think, I think there is an iron fist for all seasons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did that. Uh, there's apparently, I've never seen it, but there's a torrent you can get of the entire, uh, X-Men, uh, basically every X-Men in a, they call it the revised chronological order if it exists. But like, if you you know, if you just want to read the Phoenix saga, or you know some of the things like um, I want to say like decimation. Anyway, long story short, I'm reagreeing with what you said about what I said, which is that you know if you're <laughs> I'm always interested in trying to help other people who like me are adrift in this in this world of Marvel comics mm. that can be really confusing. And uh, this is I, I anybody who wants to go and start personally, I think with X titles, especially Astonishing X Men, is a great place to start because if you are Gifted, like Gifted by itself like you don't have to know everything about them but you'll get it. And in this case, yeah, I had to go and look up I don't know Misty Knight. I like had to go look that up. Okay, so so at the end
2: of House of M, there is this it's like it's like how the Wire, you know, has that mm-hmm. has that next to last episode where everybody dies and then there's the last episode which is the the return sort of like consideration of what's all gone on. That's the like, that's almost wrap like, a, like up. an epilogue. Yeah, it's the wrap-up episode. So rather than having that crescendo that ends in a cliffhanger like you see in so many shows, The Wire, the penultimate episode, which is that's the George Pelicano's episode, right? Everybody dies, and then terrible mm-hmm. things happen, and then there's this uh, sort of summation episode. Well, well, House of M is a little bit like that because the eighth I- epi- eighth issue episode, the eighth issue is after the the crescendo of this fight that leads to Wanda sort of waking up and saying wow this is all happening because we're mutants mutants are stupid no more mutants and and then we have the result which is also the one thing in this other than the memories the sweet sweet memories that peter parker and wolverine and people like that have uh of this event everything goes back to normal but this one thing has changed which is the depowering of most of the mutants in the marvel universe uh, which is interesting and i
0: guess has lots of are there still not that many mutants around even now? I or, think we're still seeing that even in something like gradual well, I mean, like you could see the pickup of that in the Phoenix stuff. Well, I mean, I think it's not well, okay, so uh, boy, spoiler of spoiler of spoiler, spoilers the last the last <laughs> spoilers page. for the last eight years comics. well Marvel the last no, but I mean th- th- <laughs> think about the last page of this. the last two pages of this are a bridge to something that's happened in the last year. And uh, I mean, I'm still not really quite clear on who exactly. I, there's certainly a page you can go to to find out who got depowered and killed. You can find out who died when Magneto flooded in New York. Like, there's pages for all these things. But, um, but you know, like, even now, um, I, I, I have to tell you, I think The Uncanny X Men, right now, one of the best books out there, is interesting because of these same reasons of, of, of being depowered. But so, so basically, Max Wanda has realized she finally has this huge throwdown with her father. Like you had a sweat. They were, weren't they raised by a talking cow? Is that right, Moises? Didn't Magneto, like Magneto's wife, Magna, like lost it. And then he like left them. Did, am, I, am I having a stroke? Didn't he have them raised by a talking cow?
1: I thought there was a gypsy involved. Uh, That's a little bit ping pong.
0: But, uh, Bova from the High Evolutionary? Uh, is, that, is that right? But I mean, I'm, but like basically he abandoned his kids. And they've got issues around that. And so she she flips out at the end and she realizes that mutants are the problem.
2: Yep. No more mutants. Isn't that
0: a great isn't that a great panel though?
2: So at the end of House of M, no more mutants is the declaration. We have the aftermath issue and then this has ramifications in the Marvel universe to come. Um, oh God! You know, what? What? So decimation happens later. I did read Son of M, where wherein Pietro steals je- oh, crystals yeah, from Black Bolt. No, and don't even. It's <laughs> not. It oh, sounds like Adventure and, Time. It's not good. It's um, kind of
1: like a Mad Libs where it's it's where you. I'll take. A- noun now to describe what Pietro's after and I will take uh it's it's like
4: Marvel Comics improv Pietro
2: vibrates (laughs) through time to steal crystals to take his daughter who he has with the girl from the Inhumans and turn her crystal yes and turn her name Okay, well, and there are crystals. He steals crystals to and, and, but not crystal, and then transforms his daughter (laughs) into a mutant, but not a mutant. She's just a mutation using the mists, the Terrigen mists. Why do we? Why do we read these? I don't even know why we read these things. So, what else is there? What What was the lasting impact of this? Did this have positive effects on the stories? Did this create some other good stories down the road, or was this just? You know, a nice what if that that did a mild reset button that has since been, you know, counteracted. Tell me, because I honestly I
4: don't know. <laughs> it did. It did solve that problem that uh, uh, that Quesada was talking about. I mean, I, I I for one never really millions of understood. mutants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I never understood how so a, there's so many mutants that a large city like New York would actually have like a Chinatown, Mutant like a little Italy. That's like <laughs> mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. And so that so that was a good thing but now they're starting to rewind that again because the again spoiler alert the end of uh, Avengers versus X Men ends with like the Phoenix Force essentially blanketing the entire planet with some sort of a revitalization of of mutation like the 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 the, the, uh. the, the giant Magu- the giant Mystic MacGuffin of mutation uh, has <laughs> <That's> been <total. laughs> uh, the pilot like, got relit and so now we're gonna see a lot more mutants uh, from mutant from on.
0: dust but that was all set up here right Andy it was all set up here because they're, in the end they go oh, like yeah. where did all that mutant energy go and then of course. If you're not sure what to do, you get the Phoenix X Machina. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, but it it did have long ranging effects. But as as everything that Marvel does, they always have their their finger on the chess piece, and they're always going to say, "I haven't gone yet." Wait a minute, I can take this back. Yeah. Wait a minute, but but I will but I will say because I did say some negative things about it. I think in, in the beginning that I didn't uh, that uh, I, I want to clarify that uh, I thought it was one of the best uh, Marvel events because as everyone's been saying for, for the past hour and a half, it really did read like one major what if that was designed to exist in its own bottle. And that at the end there will be some editorial housekeeping that is enabled by the events in house of M like, you know, the the, the great mutant rollback, uh, but in a, but you can really buy that one trade paperback and just enjoy it as one big story. So on that basis, I think it was one of the most successful events they've done. Uh, probably you know, certainly the most su- uh, successful event uh, that, that was done because I think it was the only event over the past five, six, maybe even seven years where I was actually satisfied, somewhat—not completely, but mm-hmm. at least somewhat—with a with with a with a central story. I mean, I've, I've been I've been I've been quiet not not because you know I've been I've been reading <laughs> reading a book here while you guys have been talking. It's more like I really I, re, I realized that I, I was at the time. I was interested in the central story. I was kind of not interested or and or baffled by all of the little satellite stories that I was supposed to really. Find and find two two ninety nine and three ninety nine a throw for uh, yeah. to get to get the inches of it. So it's like I can't. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to say hi, Merle. I like to interrupt you to say, uh huh. Now I continue, Marvel. That's well, my job. So.
2: <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have bought them. I, I I read them because of the Marvel Unlimited. But it is funny. This story. One of the things that I think works about this storyline is so many of these comic book events either end with a reset button or. They are eventually reset, and you know, oh, this will change everything, and of course they never change anything like Andy says they keep their finger on the chess piece. What's different about House of M is House of M is in some ways it's like a it's like a caper where the objective is to press the reset button, so when the reset button gets pressed. It doesn't feel like a ripoff because, of course, it's going to get pressed. That's the whole point of the story is they're trying to press the reset button. So I I thought that was really clever that I don't I don't feel disappointed. It's like, oh, and then it's just going to go back to the way it was. It's like the whole point is to get it back to the way it was. It's like the reverse of all the other comic book events that are out there where the goal is to change everything forever. Like like we know we 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 have
0: a home and we need to get back there, which is different from
2: we're all like under some universe spell exactly well it'll never be the same after this it's like no no we want it to go back to being the same can it go back to being the same <laughs> and that's the whole story of house of m is the 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 you know let's get everybody back together so we can reset the universe back to what we're used to on the subject of the tie-ins
3: like like andy was saying uh, i didn't Buy all these when they first came out, and I'm lucky enough to have a great local comic shop uh, shop like Austin Books and Comics that has a ridiculous amount of back issues and something like the Spider-man five part thing, I wouldn't pay two ninety nine three ninety nine a piece for those five issues. No way I would I just wouldn't do that. But when I can go to their sidekick store that has loads and loads of back issues and they package together things like the Spider-Man House of M thing where you get them for like a buck a piece, great. I'm in. Yeah. And when Comixology does does a sale, puts things on 99 cents a piece, great. Awesome. That's that's fantastic. Or if you get the Marvel Unlimited.
2: It's the they're all Marvel there. Un-
3: Marvel Unlimited is uh is what it, it's growing into the kind of service that I've wanted all of the major comics uh, uh folks to have for some time and I hope that it continues improving.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So so were there other uh, positive th- impacts of the of the end of this story. Just we oh boy we counted down we counted down the we counted down the mutants. Too many mutants. We got got rid of all those bonus mutants that we didn't need. <laughs> um, so Merlin, let me let me
3: ask you uh, how 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 recently did you read Decimation? I I never I haven't finished it. I I, I never I haven't okay. read the whole thing. So, so, Son of M is worth reading just because it's crazy, um, <laughs> totally, totally nuts. Um, they they did uh, it, it, like it's basically all tie-ins with a couple short runs of New X Men and Wolverine, but all like all
0: like what's happened as a result, the consequences. Right.
3: The best one though is the X Men, the 198 series of them. There's there's five of them, and it looks at. What's happening with these 198 mutants that are left? And spoiler alert: it's not the number isn't 198 for very long, right? No. <laughs> and and it doesn't go in the positive direction. It's called like son for, of son, divide that number. Son of him, yeah. son of him is totally crazy and yeah. has Quicksilver stealing crystals from not crystal from but stealing Bowl. crystals. Yeah, from Black Bolt and all the Inhumans, and he makes all the Inhumans very angry, and that actually I would I would not have... steal,
0: just as a, as a tip, as a, I'm a productivity guru, I would not steal stuff from Black Bolt. He doesn't even have to talk. He if he whispers, he'll kill you. Yeah, he does that. He does that. <laughs> in a meeting. In that he does that in one of the Bendis mm-hmm. meetings. Yeah. Um, That's the, right, the, at the, the end of the meeting. Now, listen, I understand. The, I understand. <laughs> meeting I understand. over. Mr.
2: Bolt, <laughs> if you speak, we'll die. But I'd like your feedback. <laughs>
3: The, the the part of the decimation series of crossovers and all that stuff that I didn't expect to like that I actually kind of did uh, was Sentinel Squad One where this government backed initiative uh, comes together where they have humans piloting Sentinels and the people that they recruit for that inevitably one of them happens to be a mutant and nobody knows he's a mutant for a little while and it's uh, it's it's pretty good you know would I spend three dollars a piece on them no would I spend five bucks for all five of them yeah. Um, and that's, that. that's, that's the, I would say the, the quality of, of, of what you're looking at with the decimation stuff that's outside of the core, you know, new X-Men 20 or whatever. Um, the stuff that I thought was a lot more valuable really was the Messiah trilogy that came Ooh, after this in it. the X love series of titles, which I know Merlin, it, it, he almost has burning religious fervor <laughs>
0: for this. I think the thing that I like about this, uh, as with Avengers disassembled, um, I think I have in my little bit of sampling of different events, it, it does sometimes feel I used to say that Pearl Jam sounded like the result of a board meeting. And and sometimes I feel like there are <laughs> there are events in, in various, you know, comic things where it really feels like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> Jason, you and I were were joking before we started taping, as you say, uh, about how, like, you know, the the interface, we were talking about uh, Syracuse talking about the interface on, on you know, car stereos and cars, and how yeah. terrible they are. And, and it sometimes feels like, you know, I've seen Bendis on Tumblr talking about, like, when they have these, like, big off sites to talk about the big events. And sometimes it really feels like somebody at some high level is intervening to just start making this really unpalatable soup of ingredients that we happen to have a lot of or we know people like well you know like i like garlic and i like ginger and i like cilantro but just because lots of people like them does not mean i want that to be the the primary flavor profile of the soup and and in a few of these and, and actually you just nailed three of them for me and again i'm new to this like i'm not smart like you guys uh who have known this stuff for a while but for me uh disassembled and House of M and the Messiah stuff really resonated with me. Um, for a re- for the same reason that I like the X Men, really. There's there's two reasons at the heart of it why I, why I like the X Men. I think. I mean, I, I like the fact that uh, they. <sighs> That they're not just strong, you know. That they've got they kind of have to fight together because they have to support each other, and they're kind of fighting for their lives. But they're also fighting for their ability to live. They're fighting for their lives because people out there, are like Trask or Stryker, are out to get them. But but they're um, but they're also fighting for their, their their right to stay alive because everybody thinks they're dangerous. And so, I like individual characters. Like, unlike practically everybody, I like Moon Knight. <laughs> The Bennett's Malieve, the the Ben, leave. The ben leave. Moon Knight. I love Moon Knight. Let me beg you not to get dazzled. You and Patton Oswalt. I love like Moon Knight though,
2: right? and Dazzler. Uh, I, there, I said it. All right. Well, anyway. we'll meet halfway. Yeah, and when you go to your pitch, up. and
1: when you go to your pitch meeting, you can. Pitch I'll buy you that half. Up. I'll buy you Moon half. A day. That'll be
2: one of my pitches. It'll be Moon Knight and Dazzler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, oh, yeah. But like, because because they both come out at night. And they set the night ablaze with light. I used to come out at night. Moon night and dazzling.
0: <laughs> but, you know, I, this sounds corny, but, like, this is why this resonates with me emotionally. It's why I'm not dead inside about the mechanics of, of, of comics and whether they cost 2 dollars or three ninety nine. God, God love you, is that, like, when the story works, uh, it's because there's a bunch of people where we care about what happens to them and we care about the relationships. And, and that's why the X-Men resonate for me. And in the same way that, like, giant size X-Men... Is in no way a perfect comic. There's a lot about it that's like not nearly as good as what would come in the next seven years of of the X Men. But like the idea of taking these people who have so little in common, like you know they have they, they're from different countries, they got different powers, they don't get along. A couple of them get kicked off. Like you know it's just it's it's but but I'm I'm always intrigued by the fact of like. Well, we care about what happens to these people, and that, that's why we stick with them. And their relationships matter because they have to work together to get out of these things. And so to me, uh, one of these giant events or story arcs or whatever, it, it works if and when we care about the stakes for those people and we care about – like any story, we, hear, we care about – like, what is the story? A story at the heart of it is somebody is challenged by something that should be a nearly impossible problem, and we see how they handle it. It's not whether they succeed or fail. We, we care about how they handle it. And in this case, like, think about that bit in probably the second or third issue where the, the shield, the red, the red Guard people get depowered, and you see that double-page spread of, like, comforting your friends and going, believe me, like, I know. I had the same thing happen, like, a day ago. And that's, that's why this works for me is because it, it really it's about – like so much stuff in comics, it's about our own – like our fears and our aspirations and our sense of like who we are and then our friends – our sense of what our friends can do to like help us get through those kinds of struggles. So it sounds silly talking about a comic, but that's why this worked for me and it's why anytime I, I see something with scrolls on it, I think, okay, that could be good. But in this case, this, this had a lot of breathing room, a lot of headroom to get into like the – the interior world of these people we care about and their relationships. Um, so as far as what happened next, like, you know, maybe I'm in a minority. I like Marvel now. I like AVX. I thought AVX was really, really fun. I thought Consequences was arguably better than AVX itself. But, you know, if it leads to more interesting stories, it's good. If it leads to more reasons to make a different kind of toy or uh, a million other tie-ins, uh, I'm not so into it, but... um, I, I thought it was successful, and I I, I I hadn't thought that much about what No More Mutants really, really, really means as much as you guys. But I do know that when Emma goes in there and straps on her little hat and sees that, I, I found that very moving to go, like, there are these people who are part of our extended family that we don't even know are in our family, and now they're gone, and we'll never find them. We had this way to find them, and now it's gone
2: and we set up ourselves as the as the people who are going to take care of all these people and and they're gone, boy and, and maybe boy they're have maybe, we failed at that. Yeah. And maybe and, they're, they're and maybe they're maybe they're okay, out of the sky, right? They're some of them are not okay, but maybe some of them are okay, and they're just different. And the blob has like folds of skin and is normal size now. But so, uh, so but creepy. the fact is, what do we do, right? You know, we, are, are why are we here? That there's the it's like we're sending the kids home from the school because they don't need to be here anymore. Some of them want to stay, but what do we do? It's
0: we're not an accredited educational institution, <laughs> right? And, and we we find out we find out later what what's going on with the professor but one giant giant not maybe not a plot hole but one giant unresolved thing weirdly i have to say weirdly unresolved thing at the end of eight is where's professor x i know we, we learn that later there's the vulcan guy but but you know he is like scott is always kind of the leader except when you know if professor x isn't around like what's happening you know so anyway but but that's that's the good thing about this i mean you know Andy and I have talked about this before I think we've talked about
2: it a lot on the on the podcast too is that in the end you know comic readers especially can get really obsessed with uh with continuity right continuity it's very yeah. important and and it can be you know it, it's part of the fun of it is knowing about the continuity that's fine but in the end it's about it's about good stories and it's about characters and it's about seeing them you know seeing characters Uh, that you know be true to themselves and be put in interesting situations and it's not about the kind of outrageous um, aspects of it or about something that will change continuity forever it really is about telling good stories and that's to your point about about if it's about selling uh, toys it's not really that exciting but if it's about seeing these people that you know and maybe have grown up with uh, these characters it put in interesting situations and in how they react, and that's what was affecting for me about House of M was seeing those characters put in this really amazing, strange situation and then discovering that it's all a sham, even if it was a comfortable sham and how they deal with that. And that
4: that's the stuff that I'll remember there was a There's a great quote about uh, about acting that came across a long time ago, and i've just never forgotten and he, uh, this actor said that a bad actor his idea of of a dream role involves a scene in which he he sees his only child hit by a car and cradles his dying form and curses God in the middle of the street. That's what a bad actor wants. What a great actor wants is five minutes which he just eats soup. <laughs> because he knows that he knows that mm-hmm. he knows that he can explain everything there is to know about a character through the most subtle and quiet interchange, and that he doesn't need that kind of a, that kind of flash. Uh, and I, I, I did think that uh, uh, Jason, I, thought, I think I think you you are right about that. that that's what the, the all the things I really like about House of M have nothing to do with trying to figure out uh, 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 trying to figure out. Well, why is this person? In this situation, but that person not in this situation. Why is this going to keep in continuity? And why is this? Where did this get broken? It really is the minor ideas of why. Here's 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 the the relationship between Magneto and his kids. The worst. I mean, you 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 you, you gotta you gotta go deep deep catalog into like Motown singing legends before you find a worse parent child relationship than Magneto (laughs) and his and his kids. We you know. keep
2: we keep on uh, we keep on going and we could go on forever. But I already posted a uh, a three and a half hour ep- long episode recently, so I don't want to do that again. We're gonna we're gonna call it quits for now, right here. But I I am hoping that all of my guests will come back in the, in a, in a future time to talk about comic books some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa Schmeiser, thank you very much for being here again. Thank you, Moises Chuyon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Andy Anatko,
0: thanks as always.
4: It's been a slice.
0: And Merlin, man, will you come back sometime? If you'll have me, thank you for having me. This is—I is, will have for, you for a year. This has been a fantasy, so thank you for having me, you guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> now it's science well, it's fiction.
1: Delightful.
2: So,
0: until the next edition of the Incomparable, I'd like
2: to thank everyone out there for listening. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We'll see you next time.
3: i can't believe what i just heard merlin's invited back
2: oh my god there's not a recording of this anywhere is there
0: (laughs) no more incomparable
2: i'm literally so angry right now. literally so see i was doing merlin there that was my
0: merlin (laughs) you've never heard anything i've done merlin he's (laughs) trying to take your powers are you roguing me you're roguing me i am i am (laughs)